Episode 41, Kathleen Quinn Votaw, Part 1. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. Hey, it's Nikki, and we're back in Gut Plus Science land today. I've got Kathleen Votaw with me. She's the talent expert. She's also the CEO and founder of Talent Trust, which focuses on solving one of the biggest problems we have in today's market, the talent shortage. We hear about it everywhere. It's a big problem. There are 6.2 million people looking for jobs and 6.9 million jobs open. So needing to stand out in today's market is a must. There's a different reality today than in the past. It's a great time to be a candidate and a really hard one as an employer in the world of talent, employment, and HR. So what does that mean for recruitment? and engagement, and how can CEOs and leaders shift the way they think about talent? For one, there's a shift in recruitment. It's no longer an HR function. Rather, it's becoming a sales and marketing process. Just as you have to attract customers, you have to attract talent. My conversation with Kathleen was so jam-packed that we decided to break it into two parts. This first part really hones in on the role of HR and how that has to evolve in order to solve this inventory problem. We start with this first part with me asking Kathleen to share her thoughts on whether HR should have a seat at the executive table. Hmm, Kathleen? You really need to move HR into the light. I feel as though companies all across the country, and we serve throughout the country have been mean to HR, quite frankly, Nikki. It's a function that isn't often understood, and it's a function that often is uh, locked up into compliance and policies and benefits. And human resources can really put you on the map for the candidates that you need to grow your business. I really recommend that companies look at HR from a more strategic perspective, make sure they're they're given the tools and the resources to start using technology, make some more data-driven decisions, and and really align with the C-suite and the business objectives of the company. Far too long, we've been letting HR kind of hang out and serve and um, kind of do the administrative pieces of the recruitment and the HR and the employment uh, relations, but we really need to switch that role from a service provider to a functional expert. And Nikki, that's going to require training. It's going to require new people in the HR seat, and it's going to require the executives of companies and the owners of the companies to value that particular um, function more than others in some cases. Because let's be, let's be honest, if you don't have the people, I don't care what kind of product you have, what kind of service you have, what kind of sales initiative, you can't get your work done. So it is our number one talent imperative for 2019 to give human resources a strategic seat at the table. 
I love your viewpoint. And Kathleen, I know you and your firm, Talent Trust, works across the nation with mid-market and enterprise companies, and you're seeing all kinds of great HR leaders. I'm curious to know the top attributes that come to mind when you think of the best CHROs or HR leaders out there. What are those keys, especially for the the leaders of companies that are like, do I have that right HR leader? I need to hire someone. What are the what are those key attributes they should be looking for? It really is um, somebody who can think strategically. Uh, and, and typically, human resources has been more administrative. So you really have to ascertain the thinking um, capabilities of the person you're bringing into that seat and also the behaviors that drive them. We use assessment tools, quite a few different assessment tools with companies throughout the country. And it really, um, there are tools where you can measure that thinking capability and how it aligns with the rest of the executive team. I think that's one of the most important places to start. And also, there are certain functions of human resources that we have just delegated there. So they've got benefits, they've got employee relations, they've got, you know, um, culture, they've got recruitment. Let's be honest with our HR people. What do they want to do? Because when people want to do something, they're going to be successful. If they don't want to do it, they're going to fail. And if they don't have the skills to do it, they're going to fail. And have some candid conversation about what turns them on. Let me give you an example with a um, prospective client in LA. I got a great call um, from a company that was referred to us. The owner knows something's not quite right in their recruiting area, but he can't quite figure out what is broken. And he has a human resources team. He has an HR person who loves their culture, has been with him for a long time, will take a bullet for the brand, and he's got a recruiter on staff. So from the naked eye, you would say, hey, he's got it going on. He's got team people, you know, he's got people dedicated to this, but something's not working because he's got 21 open positions and people declining to come into his company. So he and I had a nice chat, and then we invited his HR team to come on board to the call. And guess what? They don't like the sales and marketing part of recruiting. And that was the, that was the takeaway for the leader in the organization. These people aren't bad people. They just don't want to do the work that needs to get done. So start having some candid conversations about where, what turns you on in HR and deploy them to what turns them on, and then you're going to have success. Good stuff. Great illustration. And you're getting to what turns me on, which is employee engagement. Love that. And I know we're going to get to it. So Kathleen, let's break the discussion down into three parts from here on out. Attract, retain, and develop. And that's loaded. Like I told you guys, we've got a lot to cover. So what are yours or Talent Trust's best practices for attracting talent today? So again, I mentioned earlier, Nikki, we believe that recruitment is a sales process. So when you talk about it in that way, it turns the entire recruitment process on its head. And the first part of recruitment as a sales process is knowing who you are and what you stand for and, and developing an employment brand that actually is purposeful. We spend a lot of time, effort, energy, and money making sure our messaging and our brand is really cool and dialed in for our clients. But most companies don't spend a lot of time, effort, energy, or money doing that for their candidates. 
And candidates are just another person type in your sales and marketing process. So let's not overcomplicate it. Let's let's get down to nitty gritty here. Let's identify the candidate population and make sure that, that they know that they matter, that we have a message for them as a company, as an employer. This is who we are in the marketplace. These are our products and services. These are our values. This is our culture. This is what we stand for. This is how we roll. However your, your internal conversation is, you have to show it. So that's key. So we start with employment brand, which is a big job. Then we help our clients walk through um, developing really good sources to fill the top of the funnel. If anybody knows of Miller Hyman, I'm a Miller Hyman trained salesperson from years and years and years ago, 30 years ago, for God's sake. I sometimes I don't want to say that number, but it's true. And and so you have to have enough uh, sources, which means candidates in the top of the pipeline to pull them through the rest of the process. The third step, which is really important, and you get turned on by this, Nikki, is engagement. How are you going to get them to talk to you? That's why we start with employment brand. And we we have tools and processes that we can help our clients engage these people to just at least have the first conversation. One of our clients in Minnesota, we had to touch a candidate 14 times, 14 times before he would even talk to our customer. Is your HR person making 14 calls? to commit a candidate for an interview? I think not. And then we get into the groovy part of it that everybody thinks they know, which is the um, phone screen and the assessments. And we find here that many people are unable to have that critical conversation, to really put KPIs together, to know why we want this person, what their motivators are going to be, what the value alignment with the company needs to be, what the critical skills are. They just don't have the tools in place, Nikki. And from there, we bring them through behavioral-based interview training, because when you bring a candidate into a great company, your hiring managers can screw it up. And I'm sorry to say it so bluntly, but you give a good lead to a bad salesperson, what's going to happen? Nothing. You give a great candidate to a hiring manager who doesn't know how to interview, what's going to happen? Nothing. So you're wondering why positions aren't getting filled. It's because people aren't turned on by your company because your hiring managers are probably not trained on to have that conversation. And then final step is what are you going to offer them? How are you going to close the deal? And we teach our clients how to close that deal every step of the process. So it's very rigorous and it takes a lot of time. That's why a lot of people don't want to do it, Nikki. And 74% of the people who work for you are looking for jobs right now. So you're probably, whoever's listening to this is thinking about the open jobs you have. Guess what? You've got people who are having these conversations with people all the time. So it's a real challenge. Wow. And this just proves why it's so important to have experts that work alongside of a business in the talent space because of the complexity of it today. And just with you know you sharing that it took 14 touches to get a first meeting with a, a high potential candidate. That I mean, there's just so much to it. So one question I have in this realm of hiring is the thought around onboarding and when it starts. So back in the day, you know, the day that we come to the office and our desk has some, you know, welcome greetings on it and maybe a nice card from the team we're going to work on. That's kind of like how things used to be. 
Talk about where onboarding starts. Where should our mentality be from a leadership perspective on this subject? What you describe, Nikki, is an orientation. It is not an onboarding process. So from an orientation perspective, you should have nice little things in their cube. You should have their computer, you should have their phone. I mean, those are just, you know, basic necessities of being successful in your job on day one. But really, your um, onboarding process starts with the first touch. It starts when you start creating this employment brand. And how am I as a candidate experiencing you, the company? So everything, onboarding starts from the very first touch. You want to engage me to a point where I want to work with you so bad that I'm going to make it happen, even if now is not the right time, and vice versa. And then you pull them through this process of engagement that I just demonstrated through the recruiting uh, question earlier and make sure that every single touch is meaningful to the candidate and meaningful to the company. And there's clear takeaways and clear debriefs on each and every meeting, where we stand, why we stand, where we stand, and what the next steps are. We also recommend that Great onboarding um, plans are highly executed with the hiring manager and are at minimum six months in length, not five days. It's really a six-month integration from date of hire, but it goes back even to that employee engagement at the top of the funnel. Great to know that six-month integration. Again, another reason why it's just so important to be very strategic in our HR efforts today because there's so much to it. We haven't, we've only started talking about the one of three parts, which is the attract. So let's start to segue into that. We all know or are coming to understand, I hope, that employee satisfaction is not enough to retain our people today. You just talked about 74% of the people in the workplace are actively open to looking for something else. So that that just stands right behind this. What is your checklist of must-dos to building a company that reports higher than average tenure? Well, measuring engagement. I mean, I, you know, I you got to be brave enough to know where you are. So often in workshops, Nikki, I give some tools to um, the attendees on starting to measure engagement. Um, and unfortunately, according to Gallup, I think the engagement statistic I just read last week is about 27% of the of the workers in our country are engaged. So that that's awful. It's just bad. So wouldn't it be nice for you to know, um, as an owner, who's engaged and who's not engaged? And you're not going to know the exact people, but the percentage of engagement that you have in your company. And think of all the factors that can affect engagement. It's not just your company. It's not just your culture. People are engaged based on where they are in their life. I wrote an article on my website, talenttrust.com, called What Crosses We Bear. And you meet people every day. I meet people every day across the country, and you don't know what's going on in their life. Somebody could have had something happen with their personal life, their children, their their elder parents, um, sister, brother, friend, and that affects people's engagement quite a bit. So how, what kind of candid conversations are we having with our people about what they need, what they want, who they are as a person, and what matters to them? We're entering an age where the gig economy is getting really sexy. And um, I have been a fan of the gig economy since I entered the workforce 30 years ago. 
um, where people can engage the way they want to be engaged. So I think it's really important that we start having those transparent conversations where what's What's in it for you and why are you here? Why do you continue to choose me? The uh, founder of Zillow has a great quote that we're re-recruiting people every day who work for us. And I'm summarizing, it's a much more eloquent quote. But I mean, his word re-recruit, I think is really spot on in this uh, question in particular, because it, we have to make sure we're in alignment with our people. And I'll give you an example from my own company. I have four direct reports in my company, small company with 20 people, small but mighty. But those four people are really key to this organization running while I'm running all over the country talking to people. And what's important to them? What do they need? One woman on my team, she's a grandmother and she wants to take Wednesdays off and we call them Ziggy days. And her Wednesdays are sacred. Then I have another woman who's in her 30s. She's a young mother. She wants to take Fridays after noon off to be with her children. That's fine with me. Um, so what kind of flexibility are you going to give to your people so they can have a life that's rich and wonderful and thriving? So when they're here working for you, they are so engaged and they'll take a bullet for your brand. Yes, yes, and yes. So speak to the rave of the sexy office spaces, ping pong tables, beer, all of these things that are, you know, getting a lot of attention around in employee engagement. And I want you to talk about the segue between what you just shared of the examples of your team, which I would call wonderful engagement examples, and then these things and how they fit in to the fold. Yeah, you know, it's. It, you sh I think it's cool to have office space. That's cool, and to have the kegerator. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself there, and the wine, and you know, and snacks, and you know, all that cool stuff. But that's not culture. There's a chapter in my book, Nikki, called "Solve the People Puzzle." It's, uh, <laughs> and the chapter is, it's not about the beer. Nobody really cares about the beer or the brand of beer. That's a nice to have, not a need to have. What people really want in, in, in the studies that we've done and actually the engagement that we've done with companies across the country is they want transparency. They want purpose. They want to be valued among anything else. They want their opinion to matter. They want to be heard. And they want to do purposeful work that is actually attached to something that we're not just out here, you know, making money. You know, because you can make money in so many different ways, but why am I doing what I'm doing and what's the attachment? So having that alignment values, I'm a big value person, huge value person. And because it's my company, the values are very much aligned to who I am and what I do. And that's okay as a privately held business owner. So I think it's really sexy to have, you know, the foosball table and all that stuff, but you really need to have more of a community and allow your people to engage the way they want to. So if you build a great big office space, but the person that you want to drive your sales wants to work from home on a mountaintop, why should you care? Absolutely. And you know what speaks for itself is I can't tell you how many office spaces I go into that are the sexy setup and really cool colors and they have all of these things, but no one's using them. Right. No one's playing. It, it's yeah. quiet, quiet as a mouse. It's just, you know, and so therefore, you know that that stuff's not working. So thank you so much for chiming in on that. 
Purple Ink's customized HR services will help you make your workspace joy-powered. Whether you're looking for help with recruiting, compliance, or leadership training, they listen to what you need and tailor their solutions to you. Check out purpleinkllc.com. That's purpleinkllc.com to find out how they can help your business. And look for the Joy-Powered Workspace podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Good stuff. I told you it was jam-packed. Too much to absorb in just one setting. So that's part one. Be sure to check out part two next week where we'll have the conversation, next part of our conversation, and then give you the truth you can act on section. In the interim, the biggest takeaway from my conversation so far is that as the employer, you are no longer picking them they're picking you. And hey, by the way, if you've got new ideas for the show, guest ideas, please shoot me feedback. I'd love to hear it. Nikki, N-I-K-K-I at Amplify.com. We'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.